I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, June 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's Election Day. Why Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman says it's important to vote in every election. Then learn ways to reduce the chances of leaving a child in a hot car. Cars are such an integral part of our lives. It's easy to forget that child in the backseat. And we'll hear from the Bacon Brothers on their new Mississippi-inspired music. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Polls are open in Mississippi. Many are heading to the polls today to cast ballots in party primaries for one seat in the U.S. Senate and two in the U.S. House. The race for the third district congressional seat has brought out six Republican candidates seeking the party's nomination, along with two Democrats. In the U.S. Senate race, Republican Senator Roger Wicker has one opponent in his bid for re-election, and six Democrats are vying for their party nomination. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman tells MPB's Ashley Norwood. Despite low absentee ballots, he's still encouraging everyone to get out and vote today. We've had approximately 11,000 absentee ballots, and that includes ones that were cast on Saturday, so it's a little bit updated. Uh, If you look at a 4% um, normal absentee ballot cast, you, you would be looking at around 200,000 individual voters in the party primary, which is about 10 or 12% of the total my voting age population, our voting registered age population. So I, I would anticipate a low turnout given these absentee numbers. And so why is it important to vote in every election, including um, an election like this, a primary? There are several reasons this is critical. First of all, these people can determine your taxation, they determine your income, they determine determine how much is funded for education, many, many things that come from our federal government. That's number one. The second reason is more important even than that. Two days last week I spent at Fort Bliss, Texas, and the 155th is with 3,200 Mississippians is leaving this next week for Kuwait and then points in the, in the Middle East, Syria, and others. Those people will not be here to cast a ballot. Further, they will not be here in November to cast a ballot or Christmas or be with their families for the next year. Um, if we want to do anything, uh, we should honor the fact that they're over there uh, fighting to protect our right to cast a free and fair ballot in an election here. And if you if you didn't do it for any other reason, you ought to do it to honor your uh, family members and brothers and sisters and everybody else that's over there fighting for you every day. 
Could you give me an example of how a seat could be changed based on voter participation in the primaries? Oh, without question. The parties will nominate their primaries for one of the Senate seats and then the four congressional seats tomorrow. And uh, we have had close elections for governor, have been down to 7,000 votes before. And in the uh, several of the congressional races, we don't have opponents like Congressman Thompson. But uh, in the Republican primary for the third district and in the Democratic primary for the third district, we have multiple candidates uh, with the prospects of a runoff. And uh, consequently, each one of those individuals is, may not get 50% of the vote, but they'll be very close between uh, a lot of campaigns, I think, uh, on who gets into the runoff. And uh, so your vote would make a definite difference on that. And then, of course, we'll get to vote again between the Republican nominee and the Democratic nominee. So you, you mentioned runoff. Let me ask you, um, if that is the case, when would that be held? The runoffs will be in three weeks. So what are some voter rights that people should be aware of? Well, they they're, the polls are open from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And if you're standing in line at 7 p.m., the bailiff will go to the end of the line and stand at the end of the line until such time as you cast your ballot. Uh, your free and fair elections are conducted in Mississippi. You need a voter ID to cast your ballot. And um, you can go to our Y'all Vote on my sos.ms.gov site, and you can determine your precinct or you can move your precinct if you needed to. Um, but you can determine your precinct and where to cast a ballot. Uh, we will have 24 observers out in the state to hopefully help make sure that we have a free and fair election without problems. Uh, we have a 1-800 number you can call, us, uh, which is 1-800-829-6786 to report any problems at a polling location. We have a voter ID hotline, which is 844-MS-VOTER. That's 844-678-6837. Those will be manned here at Secretary of State's office and ending after 7 p.m. So we're hopeful that those will ensure that individuals can cast their ballot in a free and fair election. We ask everyone to please be prompt in casting your ballot. It's only one page on all of these, so you'll have a very short ballot. may take you 10 or 15 seconds to actually cast the ballots and probably won't take you 10 minutes in line. So we're asking everybody to go and cast a ballot. Secretary of State Delbert Holzman, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Join us tonight at 7 as MPB News and NPR bring you election results and analysis from today's party primaries from Mississippi and around the country. In other news, the nation's premier civil rights organization is taking the U.S. Department of Education to court. MPB's Desiree Frazier takes a look at what the case means for Mississippi. The national NAACP recently filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Department of Education and its director, Betsy DeVos. Attorney Keela Crane is with the NAACP. She says the Education Department's Civil Rights Division can now dismiss multiple complaints when brought by one person or an organization without determining whether they're valid or not. Crane says it blocks the NAACP from doing its job. We could be filing uh, complaints against several different colleges and universities that have problematic policies across the country. And if we submitted that to the Office of Civil Rights, they would, based upon this change in their manual, be able to just dismiss it. Crane says there's also no appeals process in place when a complaint is found to be without merit. She says the changes went into effect in March with no public notice or comment period as required. Corey Wiggins is with the Mississippi NAACP. Wiggins says they do receive complaints, and he's concerned about the effect on students. 
Wiggins says some schools in the state are still under desegregation orders. Historically, Mississippi has have had challenges, not only just upon when you think about race-based discrimination, but gender, uh, also sexuality. And what this does is really limits the opportunity to really address those types of civil rights complaints in a very serious way. Wiggins says families should still come forward when they have a concern. The NAACP argues the changes impact children with disabilities as well. In a statement, the Mississippi Department of Education says it doesn't have the legal authority to investigate discriminatory or retaliatory matters. The National Federation of the Blind is a partner in the lawsuit. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. Coming up, learn ways to reduce the chances of leaving a child in a hot car. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. At least two children have already died from heat stroke in the U.S. this year after being left in hot cars. According to Safe Kids Worldwide, 42 children died last year. That's almost double the total from 2015. Erica Cousin is outreach coordinator for UMMC's Safe Kids Mississippi. She tells MPB's Ashley Norwood the numbers are increasing. So our Safe Kids um, Worldwide Agency They do provide the statistics for our office regarding heat strokes um, and the preventable injuries from leaving children in cars. I'm not sure if you want specific numbers, but I can tell you that nationally more than half of children have been forgotten um, by the caregiver and left in cars. So since 1998, more than 740 children across the United States have died from heat stroke when unintended in a vehicle. In 2017, 42 children died from heat stroke in the U.S. Since 2015, there has been a gradual increase in annual deaths. So in 2015, we had 24 deaths, 2016, 39 deaths, and 2017, there were 42 deaths. So that almost doubled from year 2015. Now, okay, so given those numbers, I mean, why do you think this is happening? So, and and then it's on the rise, you know, why is that? I believe it's happening um, because caregivers are normally in a hurry, but at the same time, they also may maneuver on a schedule. So let's say that caregiver normally doesn't have the child in the vehicle with them a certain time of day. They may forget to just look in the back seat and double check to make sure that child isn't in the car. So just that switch up in the routine can cause them to be forgotten. Is that what you would call the forgotten baby syndrome? Yes. Unfortunately, some caregivers, they're moving so fast often. It's good for them to kind of create reminders so that they don't forget the children in the backseat because sometimes the children are already asleep by the time they make it to the destination. What type of examples would a reminder be? So maybe a visual reminder um, or using tools like the mirrors that you can buy almost anywhere that you, when you look in your rearview mirror, you see the child laying there in the seat. Um, Maybe you can place your phone or your bag in the back seat so that when you make it to your destination, you have to go in the back seat and get that out. Also, a visual reminder could be maybe a, a bear or a stuffed animal, just something easy to move that provides that visual reminder like, hey, let me move this out of the way, but it keeps that caregiver checking the back seat. So Mississippi in particular, do you have any numbers or even this year so far, have we seen many deaths? 
Well, I can't speak specifically to this year's data, but I, I will tell you that so far, as of last Tuesday, there had been seven total heat stroke deaths in the United States. Unfortunately, the car can heat up 19 degrees within 10 minutes and really cracking the window. You know, people say they're going to crack the window. It doesn't really help because a young child's body is more at risk because their bodies heat up three to five times faster than an adult. There's several factors that could go into play of how fast that vehicle is warming up, and that child could easily have symptoms from being flushed, dry skin, vomiting, seizures, organ failure, and death just from being heated. And I think a lot of times people feel like it could never happen to us because once you do it one time and you come out and the baby's okay, then it's easier to do it again. As you mentioned, people think it won't happen to them, but they also maybe intend to not leave the child in the vehicle so long. So they say, well, maybe they're not going to be in there that long. They won't get that hot. And that's an unfortunate mistake to make. I don't think most people set out to leave any children in the car, but just kind of taking for granted the seriousness of the situation can warrant a very unfortunate consequence. So I want to state that Safe Kids is asking everyone to help protect the children from this preventable tragedy by remembering to act. The acronym is just A, avoid the heat stroke-related injury by trying not to leave that child in the car by themselves. C, create reminders as we spoke about, maybe leaving a phone, um, having a visual reminder, your purse, a stuffed animal in the back seat. And T is to always take action. So if you see any child in the car alone, of course, call 911 immediately. Erica Cousin is with Safe Kids Mississippi. Erica, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Ashley. Jim Pollard is public affairs manager for AMR Central Mississippi. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood children's bodies are not tolerant to high temperatures. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and other sources keep close track on these kinds of deaths among small kids. And every year in the in the United States, there are about uh, 35 to 40 children who die from having been left in vehicles that overheat and, and cause heat stroke. In Mississippi, it's one, two in that vicinity, a fairly small number of youngsters each year. Um, one's too many. And we have to remember for each child who dies, there are those who survive but may very well have some truly serious uh, physiological problems for the rest of their lives, even including potentially damage to the brain. We don't hear much about it, probably because a lot of children survive. Either the person gets back to the car before, you know, something terrible would have happened. But what happens while that child is in the car? What starts to happen in their body? Let's uh, remember the way kids are built. Uh, They have more body surface area, more body exterior skin because they're kind of round and plump, right, Uh, compared to adults who tend to be a lot more stretched out uh, longer. So with children, they absorb more heat and absorb it faster than adults. I've seen some estimates as much as five times faster. So the body reaches a point where it has sweated out its reserves 
and then various bodily systems begin to break down. And if uh, the breakdown continues long enough, uh, there's no chance to resuscitate the child. In a typical vehicle, the temperature can increase by 10 degrees in 20 minutes easily. So leaving a child in the car is technically illegal, unattended, leaving a child in the car unattended. Um, If the child dies, you can be charged with manslaughter, uh, some other serious crime. It's interesting to me, a couple of the statistics, uh, 32% of the children who die in hot cars each year in the U.S. are under a year old, and 74% are three years old or younger. So we're talking about some kids who might have fallen asleep, uh, some kids who might not be um, you know, fussy that morning. Uh, so we need to really consciously, deliberately take steps to avoid the tragedy. One thing that we need to emphasize is that although June, July, and August obviously would be the months of the year where deaths uh, among children left in hot cars uh, are most likely to happen, uh, it's interesting that, that children around the country have died every month of the year, December, January. Uh, it can get hot in a car on a bright Winter's day, especially the winters such as we have down in the southeast, uh, where it really doesn't get particularly cold. So um, just bear in mind, it, it's uh, even when the temps are just, say, in the 70s, the car can heat up uh, dangerously very, very fast. If a parent or um, uh, you know, caregiver returns to the car and they see some of those injuries beginning to develop or the child is unresponsive, what is the first thing that they should do? Call 911. Make absolutely certain somebody has called 911. And then uh, we hope the uh, parents uh, or other caregiver would have uh, been trained in CPR and uh, recognize whether the child is breathing and and has a pulse. And uh, if those are absent, to begin CPR. Um, It's important to uh, cool the child, uh, but you can't do it too fast because it'll induce uh, other physiological problems. Um, so if you if you have some some cool wet cloths you can put on a child, you get the child inside a cool environment first thing, such as you know an air conditioned home. And a surprising number, uh, actually a majority of these deaths happen when the children are at home. Jim Pollard is with AMR Central Mississippi Operations. Jim, thank you so much for your time today. We hope everyone stays cool and safe all summer long. For more information, visit safekids.org. Coming up, we'll hear from the Bacon Brothers on their new Mississippi-inspired track. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Bacon Brothers are celebrating a Mississippi town with a song and performance. You may know actor Kevin Bacon and his brother, Emmy Award-winning composer Michael Bacon. Together, they form the Bacon Brothers. They tell us the first verse of their new single, I Feel You, is inspired by a visit to Jackson last year. I don't really remember a time that we weren't doing something musical. We came from a family that valued creativity above everything else, and, uh, my sister and I had a band, and there was a lot of music around. My parents, our parents weren't musical, but they loved music, and they had great taste in music, and they had a beautiful uh, sound system in the house. You two are 10 years apart. How old is your sister? Right. She's uh, two years older than I am. Okay. Four sisters. See, I have no idea how they did it. 
Did all of the kids participate in music at some point? Were you all in a band together? Were you the uh, Partridge family at any point? <laughs> Not quite, no. Michael and I are really, well, one sister was, a, was a, as you said, was a, a, a guitar player, and, and uh, they were in a band um, when I was a little kid. So, they, so I, I used to hear them playing and practicing and stuff like that. But no, we never went the Cow Sills route. <laughs> Councils, that's even better. That's a better reference. <laughs> did you ever think of calling the band anything else? I don't think we did, but we're open to suggestions. <laughs> changes. I mean, it might be time for a change. Yeah. <laughs> anything that'll help. There was a moment, there was a moment when we were, uh, you know, sort of getting tired of the branding of having an actor in the band, and, and we were wanted to float the idea that we could send a song out, you know, under a kind of pseudonym or a, or a different name to see if it would, if people wouldn't hold us against it in a funny kind of way. But we never got that far with it. Michael, you're a very successful composer. Kevin, you're a very successful actor. I know you don't think of this as a sideline. If you had to put it on a scale, 50, 50, or what's the time element devoted to the band? I'd say for me, uh, Michael speaking here, it's probably... A third, a third, a third, a uh, third the band, a third my uh, scoring business. And then I also teach at two different colleges in New York City. So that's my best guess of what my time gets used up by. What about you, Kevin? Uh, I don't know. That's a hard thing to really determine. People say two things to me that I, I have to draw exception to. One is that they say, this is just something that you do for fun. This is your, everything else is, is torture. This is fun. I mean, first off, I think it's, fun it's also a hell of a lot of work and it's not something that we you know we just kind of take on lightly you know because it's original music and it's self-produced uh you know we don't have a, a record label and and you know doing putting on a really good show and singing every night and all that kind of stuff takes a lot it takes a lot of work it's like you got to do the ten thousand hours you know for that as well but the other piece of that that i don't really believe in is that people look at being an actor, they would think that being my life an actor is, is like a burden, whereas that's what I always wanted to do as a, as a kid. So the fact that I get to do it, you know, and make a living at it, a really good living, is, is something that I'm extremely grateful for. And I love I love acting. I haven't lost my taste for it. I mean, I know a lot of people do, you know. They feel like, I, you know, they just don't want to do it anymore. You hear about people retiring all the time. But, but I, I'm, I'm not really at that moment. Let's talk about your concert tonight. First off, you've written a song about Jackson, Mississippi, because you were here a year ago, and you've both been here before that even. Kevin, I know you filmed My Dog Skip in Canton and surrounding areas. So why a song about Jackson? Why now? You know, I never know where the songs are going to kind of come out. And it was a year ago. It was 6.30 a.m. It was a Sunday morning. We, We pulled up in front of the hotel and the bus and, and I, I got off, you know, it's crack of dawn to stretch my legs and looked across the street and saw this, you know, beautiful old Deco Greyhound bus station. Walked up and there was the plaque uh, commemorating the um, Freedom Riders who, you know, came to the South. Uh, and this is one of the, kind of the, the, the jumping off points for that movement and the civil rights movement. And uh, I don't know, that was just kind of the, the beginning of the idea and the song then kind of goes to just the idea of being away from the people that you love and 
are you keeping them with you when you're when you're on the road, or or you know, is there, is there a way to have somebody not feel so far away? I guess, um, and it doesn't just apply to rock and roll. I, I think uh, it happens. You know, we do a lot of small commuter airports, and you see guys that are women. They're you know bouncing all over the country. You know, and and uh, it's a challenge. That's part of it. It's a challenge. You guys are going to be in concert tonight at Dooling Hall, and there are tickets still available. So welcome back to Jackson, and thank you so much for being with us, Michael Bacon and Kevin Bacon. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. And join us tonight at 7 as MPB News and NPR bring you election results and analysis from today's party primaries in Mississippi and from around the country. As always, find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.